Welcome to episode 7 of the County Derry Post Political Podcast. This week we talked to Mid-Ulster SDLP councillor Christine McFlynn about cross-party relationships, solving everyday problems and what it was like being attacked while canvassing 10 years ago. Could you tell me where you got involved in politics to begin with? Oh, good question, Liam. Um, well, I grew up in a, in a very large family in a small town, money more. And then I moved, when I got married, I moved to Marfelt. So I always was in those urban settings and, and towns. And then when I was married 10 years, we moved to the Loop. That's my husband's from the Loop. So we built a house and moved out there. I'm living here now nearly 22 years. The big difference when you move from a town to a rural setting, you feel a wee bit more isolation. You don't really know your neighbours, etc. So we had a, a, a few ladies came together and they started a women's group. So I got involved with a lot of women's issues around isolation and poverty and both the learning skills that they have and the difficulty they had. Maybe women uh, women that were rearing their children, taking the, the knowledge of going, to go back to school to learn new skills. So we started our women's group. Then we started a playgroup out in the loop because we hadn't a playgroup. And a lot of young mommies wanted to go back to work and didn't know where to leave their children. Uh, maybe their parents were working and just adored. So we start, started with that. It just was kind of a natural progression. I got very involved with community uh, activities and different community groups. We are a women's group, but I'm working across community with other groups, so got involved that way. And then uh, I was asked by the SDLP would I like to co-opt onto taking Patsy McLone's seat in mm-hmm. Cookstown Council. Kind of have a thought of it, and I thought, was oh, well, this really for me? Do you know a lot about politics? Do you know a lot about community stuff? But he, he reassured, the party reassured me and said, yes, you do. You are the kind of person we're looking for. Um, you're popular in the area, so it's just a kind of natural progression. Went in there in 2009, and then the first election in 2011 on to Cookstown Council. Then I had my next election in 2014, and then we're into 2019 into the bigger super councils of Mid Ulster. And what would you say has been your biggest achievement, or the thing you're most proud of in that time? Well, I suppose you achieve you achieve stuff every single day. You, uh, you lift the phone to maybe a constituent that has an, an issue and you try and resolve those issues. So those are the things that are key to me. They might seem minor, but those are key to me that I involve my constituents in the work that I do and I help them out every single day. And somebody lifts the phone to ring you, have a genuine concern or a need, and it's vital that the con- councillors come back to them. But we've been doing big achievements in council as well. We've delivered on our public realms right across Cookstown, Macrofelt, and now in Kill Island, it's, it's virtually finished at the minute. I mean, those are terrific schemes that will be reinvigorate our towns, our town centres, keep our residents in our, our local areas instead of having to go and shop in the big cities, that they can shop local and support our local industries. Um, the other thing that have been key on doing was the DAVA project. When we were in Cookstown, we started the DAVA cycling trails, which is a major, uh, has, has a major tourism impact into that very rural area of Ulster. And now it has evolved now into the OMA, the Dark Sky project, uh, open, it's up and running in the minute, and we're evolving it a bit more than we're doing now, doing a walkway from Dava to the Bakemore Circles. Mm-hmm. So it will give a good visitor experience when you go up there. You will, If you go at night particularly, you'll see the Dark Skies. But um, it's a good visitor attraction that we're evolving all the time. And I think all these uh, new things that, we're, that are coming on board with them, Council, uh, they're, they're good for the whole of Middlestar, you know. Uh-huh. And then on the other side of that, what's been the biggest challenge you faced? Us as members of councils, we all sit on various committees and as the agenda comes through, no doubt there'll be something on the agenda that challenges your thinking of, well, do we go along, do we do that, do we not do that, whether it's a, an increase of a charge that we're delivering or whether it's a totally new development that's coming on board, 
putting new, uh, new thinking that we're doing. So there's challenges with that every single day. Council get public money through the rates and it's public purse money. So there's a challenge for us to make to scrutinise our budgets and to make sure that we deliver on every single thing that's delivered within the price that's supposed to be delivered on. That we don't go over budget and if something is going over budget or if a project's been delivered at a, a particular time and it's going over the time it should be delivered, then we query all those things and hold our management team to account. So you get challenges every day, but one of the big challenges we have at the present minute is COVID. We are living in one of the most difficult times that we will see in, our, in my lifetime anyway. People face challenges every day, whether they're living at home, they're maybe in isolation, they don't see their family, they don't see their neighbours. They may be working from home as well, so they don't even get out to meet their co- their work colleagues. And, you know, I feel sorry for our young people, particularly, and our students. Our young people, they can't get out to uh, um, socialise with their with their friends. And it's difficult for them because um, I think it's going to have an impact mentally on their lives, going down the line. Especially our very young children, I know they're back to school now. But, you know, down the line, nobody knows how it will impact on them, really. But uh, I hope measures will be put in place that we can, you know, help them in whatever way we can. So challenges everywhere, every day, every single day. You, t- you touched on rates there. Um, obviously, it's very recent. You had the vote last week and it came down to a very tight vote. And the SLP group had abstained from the vote. Is that something that you feel was a correct decision? Well, leading up to it, we had we had months of uh, going over the budgets. We had met with um, senior financial people and council or auditor, chief auditor. And we had gone down, we'd grilled through the figures we knew we had good extra funding from Stormont. But also Council is in a very good, sound financial position. At the minute, they have a very good bank balance. So we just felt in the year that's in it, um, a lot of people are, are feeling the pinch. A lot of people may, may be going out of work. There will be a lot of businesses that maybe won't be able to open again. I'm talking about our small cafes and maybe our pubs that will maybe not open again. So we could feel see people that will be out of work. So you have to support those people in their hour of need. So not percent maybe was the right um, decision. At this, for this particular year, we we abstained. We didn't wholly agree with not percent, but we felt at this stage it was the right decision. You do have a reputation for focusing on everyday important issues that are local. Looking back on your election results of 2011 to 2014 and then to 2019, you increased your vote each time. Do you think your focus on those local issues has been a factor in that? I'm very, pr- very proud of that, that my vote has gone up every single time. Do you know, it's a very, it's a very fearful time when you're going forward for election because you think have I done enough in the last four years will, will people reward me and come out and do vote, do support me I have to say our local people are tremendous and I do push hard on local issues if, if there's an area needs a footpath or street lighting or if an area needs uh, provision for a 30 mile per hour zone we have areas in council that uh, right across as you know but also there's very parts of it are very rural mm-hmm. a lot of our schools are sitting on roads that are 40 miles per hour you know, and I, I fight hard, I battle hard. It was good success, I have to say, uh, different areas that we've got 30 miles per hour extended. Some of our villages as well, money more in particular. There's a lot of speed issues going on there and very successful recently in getting the um, 40 miles per hour zone. It's moved, been moved, It's going to be moved out more towards the dual carriageway. I suppose to encourage traffic that's coming up the dual carriageway at a 60 mile an hour to slow down. They're coming into a small village and just to be aware that it's a built up area that they're coming into. So yeah, I, I work very hard on all the daily issues that come up. Speed is one of the ones that I, I really want to. Also environmental issues, I work hard on them. You know, we have an epidemic of litter. It comes up nearly in every single environment committee. Uh, every single road you go on, there is litter virtually on every road. People just go along and throw their cans out the window and it takes 
I don't know if it ever disintegrates in a tin can, ever, ever rots away, but it, uh, it's one of my passions is to protect the environment. I mean, if, that, if the stuff that comes out of a corroded tin gets into our, into our streams and our waterways, could end up in our drinking water, who knows? So we have to work very hard to get into people's minds that they just can't throw litter everywhere. I mean, we do have great uh, workers in council who work with their schools on eco-projects and try to enforce on our young people. And you know, it's not young our young children that are doing this. It's adults that are driving cars that just decide to throw their coffee cup out the window. And it's not acceptable anymore that this is just continuing. Um, we, did have a, we have a working group set, set up to deal with it. Um, the only way through it is to enforce it, is to enforce fines onto people. But it's a work in progress. And I have to say, we've had two meetings now and um, we'll wait on our next meeting come through. But the only way that we're going to stop it is that maybe people will whistle blow on a car or something that's going along the road and they throw out a can. They ring council and give the information in. Um, but it's a difficult process. It's difficult to get somebody to enforce a fine on an individual that throws down a piece of litter. You mentioned there about elections, but a fearful time. And we're going to go back 10 years now to your first election campaign after being co-opted. There was an attack on a car that you've been driving or you've been traveling in, in co. That's obviously your first campaign and it's an early time anyway. But how did it affect you at the time? Do you know, it, um, it scared the life out of me. We were we were out around canvas to gain their support and maybe get them to come out and put you. But yeah, it was very right in time for me, I have to say. I was out with a fellow co-worker and we were going down the doors and we heard a bang. We, we just literally heard a bang. And when I look back, the, it wasn't my car, it was another car that I was travelling. Uh, mm. It was a petrol bomb. There was two of them. One was thrown at the car. One of them was thrown back up the road to Kenya towards us bit and the other one was placed under the car and it went up. It went up before we were coming back towards it and it went off. Very, very frightening because we had a look around to see is anybody else around here? Um, is anybody else watching us? What's our next plan of, of action? So we rang through to our STLP headquarters and informed them, and they informed the police. Police came straight away. I have to say, they were there with where they were with us within five six minutes. They must have came from Cookstown. So it was very frightening, scary times. But you know, you, you take the good times to the bad. You know, I have to say, it's just been onwards and upwards for me. Um, you, you just get on with it. You, you can't really accuse it. Everybody, every time you're going to go out and canvas, that you're going to come up in that situation. So thank God. The last we haven't encountered that again, but it was very that particular night. It was scary. I was afraid of going back to my car. My mm. car was parked in a different location, and I thought, what if we go back here and there's another device underneath my car? So a few people came with me, and we got it searched, and it was safe. So we just went on ahead. You do, but I have to salute the people that worked um, in politics. Well, I'm talking back in the times of the troubles. I mean, they did come through difficult times where they had death threats practically every day. And it's something it's going on a wee bit at the minute where people are being threatened, and it's just not right. We, we society has moved on from mm-hmm. that, and we should be able to work together in harmony. We have peace now over twenty years, and we should be content be able to work in harmony. Leading into attacks, and the the issue of harassment and attacks on women in particular has come to the fore this week with the news of Sarah Everand in London. Is there anything that could be done, I suppose, in particular to educate men to the dangers that women face? We we did. We had raised your voice. In council, uh, when we were uh, discussing sexual harassment and I suppose isolating people, new new people when they come to work, it's a difficult area, and I think uh, it's another piece of work that needs to be done. We just need to be honing in on it, and the incidents that whenever it does occur needs to be highlighted, and people, everybody should be coming out and support of those people that get harassment. We've seen in the papers now recently that our journalists have been mm-hmm. harassed. 
particularly female journalists who have been very vocal and have been brought forward good stories of interest and you know it's disgusting that this kind of behaviour goes on but they've been very vocal about it MPs and MLAs and indeed higher on up the government have come out in support of them and that's the way forward we need to get down in support of these people try and find out who is doing the harassment and I mean they should be they should be prosecuted and brought to justice for it. One of the things that Raise Your Voice had mentioned when I had spoken to them previously was this kind of hierarchy of behaviour where the lower level behaviour, when it's allowed to go on, leads to worse and worse behaviours. Is there yeah. something that can be done in schools to kind of start the education where it is that lower level behaviour? Good, you've really raised a good point there. Um, I suppose like anything, it's, we have to educate our young people from a, we have to start educating from a young age. We have to tell them it's not it's not good that you can call a girl a name. We should be trying to educate them more like uh, taking the softly approach, using nice language towards people, be kinder, to good, good listeners, that maybe in their, as they grow into their own wee, uh, lives, that they realise it's not right to say nasty things to people. But, you know, youngsters, are they, they pick up things very, very easily. Social media has a big impact on young people's lives. They pick it up, and a lot of volume goes on on social media with young people like as a, as those are things that all need to be we need to just try and get rid of them in society it's not good enough to make a joke or fun of people it's not nice um people's emotional well-being can be affected and it can affect them for years mentally and physically as well we need to just really try our best to maybe bring on more classes uh, that it's just a, it's just a work in progress i think it's just something that we all need to be very aware of or a use of language towards other people the Council comes out quite well in our survey for cooperation uh, between councillors and between parties. Just how important are those relationships at a local level? I think it's, I think it's very important that we are seen as the council, that we are colleagues, that we do work together across party and we work across a variety of issues. Um, you know, several times we've had to put up, we've had to make uh, new working groups just to, to grill down into issues that are there. And debate's healthy, debate's good, so it's important that the public sees we are able to work together, we are able to cooperate. We have a good working group in Midostra. We have a senior management team and we all work very well with them. So I think it's good that we, we all have our individual uh, voices that we can, if we, if, to, if we want to raise an issue, we can do that. Um, and just we're all, we all treat each other with respect at the same time, that if you have an opinion, my opinion might be different, but you just have to take those opinions all on board. So I'm glad we have a good... We have a good working relationship with all our councillors. I have our, our party group has a good relationship with all our councillors in Ulster. You spoke on the subject of support for students and how important that was. And you mentioned obviously your children were kind of that age and had, had been students. Just how important is it that they receive that support? Because there are some people out there who don't think students deserve yeah. that support, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I think when any young person's coming up through their life, if they, if they grow through their life, and they decide they want to go to university. That to me, that's a good thing. They're challenging their brain academically, and you know they, they want to have more knowledge and gain a skill that will bring them through life. We had, as you say, we had um, the president of the, the students' union come into council to do a presentation. She told us there's two hundred thousand students in, in Northern Ireland. I was shocked there was so many, but suppose when you take all our youngsters that are. At, at uh, uh, maybe tech or college or Belfast Met or, or universities and then they're normal uh, at school age as well. Mm. At, at, there's quite a lot of students, but she spoke about those mental health issues of young young children or young youngsters, uh, students, you know, 
the issues that they're going through quite now with isolation. They haven't been able to go to college this year. They've been doing all their classes on Zoom. So they haven't been able to experience um, student life, as I would have called it. My youngsters went to college. They experienced student life. It's their first time they'll be away from home, maybe 18 to whatever, 23 or 4, along there in college. You know, And those are good times to uh, get to know how to cook. Suppose someone get to know how to cook, but wash their own clothes the first time. So I think our students are to be valued. They do need a lot of work. I was very pleased that the, the minister announced they would get £500 of a grant. They've had, a lot of them would have to give up their, their jobs or wee part-time jobs to go to college. And then they find themselves that they can't even go to the house. They've rented out and rented maybe in Belfast or an area or Coleraine or wherever they are. And they, they haven't been able to experience that fun life of college life. So we do need to support them in ever, in ever, whatever way we can. We need to keep, if they need counselling in any shape or form moving forward with their life, that that should be granted to them. Possibly next year, hopefully they will be able to get a better student life when they're able actually to go to college and experience seeing amalgamating with their other um, students on campus and socialising with them and getting to know people, getting to know what other people's what other people's experiences are. So it should be valued and it should be helped in whatever way we can. College, college life. You're talking about when young, when young adults, I suppose we should call, them, are from 18 years of up. As I say, it's the first time they've left home, so they will start to, well, at the very, very few early ones. They will start maybe partying a bit more. They're only getting to know the people uh, that are living in the houses next door or people that are coming on their campus. But gradually, they, they get to realise here. I need to knock and knuckle down and do a bit of work, or I'm not going to get my degree. So mm-hmm. that realisation hits home, and, and you're you're right. A lot of families out there are struggling. A lot of young people are struggling when they go to college. They depend on student finance because maybe their parents at home they don't have money to give them a hundred pound or two hundred pound every month or every week. They just don't have the money. They will support them whatever way they can. My my own children uh, they got a bit of student finance when they went to college, but we had to support them. We had to you know, help them out whatever way we can. With hey, buses are expensive, transport in and out to your college. If you're Georgetown and you live in Belfast city centre, you have to travel away to Georgetown every day, and it's expensive. Mm-hmm. So you, when you weigh all those things up and then to feed themselves, so when they do all that, they might not have as much money as you think to do the partying and, and the, the other socialising that people think they're involved in. Finally, the council term lasts till 2023. Is there any particular issue you'd be focusing on over the next couple of years? As you know, council have got their, their, their growth deal. They're, they're working on their growth deal at the minute with the three surrounding the councils on either side of us. What we should be focusing on, I think, is promoting that growth deal. And, you know, there'll be a lot of... Suppose stuff we could, but we'll be looking to achievements. We'll be looking to do within that growth deal. Infrastructure is a big problem in Mid Ulster. Like we're lucky now that we have gained that the dual carriageway way is almost finished between Randallstown and Castle Dawson. But when you come to Castle Dawson, the infrastructure from there on and right across the province is not good. So we need to put big efforts into improving that. We need to put big efforts into getting our bypasses through. We have. One, it's almost ready in Cookstown, it's ready to go, but hopefully the finances are there that it, it will come to fruition. Wouldn't it be brilliant if we could see in the next, maybe not in the next term of this particular term of council, but over the next term or two terms, that that bypass will be delivered for Cookstown, Dungannon, there's one needed and money more, because there's a backlog of traffic there every day. Wouldn't it be great if we could see those infrastructures improved, which then will boost our economy. We have a brilliant engineering industry and agri-foods industry, Within Middlestar, but we have brilliant entrepreneurs right across from Middlestar. And don't forget, it's the it's 53 miles from one end of 
one at Mulloster to the other, from Swadna to Yarkin or five miles down. And in between that, we have a big expanse of huge industries that are taking place, engineering's big one, agri-foods, as I've said. Uh, we need to be keeping those um, business on board, keep, suppose, trying to help them out whatever way we can. The other issue we need to be keep doing is keeping our high streets open. We've seen a fall in trade in our high streets throughout Northern Ireland, but we have we have really good team and economy team in Ulster, so we need to make sure that our high streets and our, our main towns, uh, Macra, Cookstown, Macrafelt, Dungannon, Kalilan, that they're vibrant and that all our businesses within there are supported and that we keep coming up with initiatives that um, incentivize them and incentivize incentivize our residents to keep supporting our young local bar, the young local restaurant that needs a wee bit of an ease up. But we have vibrant communities out there and we need to be keeping supporting them. And the other thing we need to support is we can ensure, our, as I said earlier, that our environment, environment is protected, that we keep honing down on litter and that we come up with campaigns to get litter. Um, we will never actually get rid of it completely, but that we get it reduced. Um, last year we spent 1.7 million gathering litter. It's 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 unacceptable. We need to get that figure down. I suppose the other thing is supporting our young people going forward. Our young people are are they they are our key to the future, Ulster. We need to make sure we have affordable housing for them and good jobs with bringing in good incomes. That instead of our young people going off to live in cities or going abroad, that they stay in Ulster and that they live in Ulster and that they have a good quality of life. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, give it a share on social media or subscribe via your podcast player of choice. If you have any questions for future guests, get in touch via email on editor at dairypost.com or contact us via our social media channels.